come to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What are indigo children? What do you do if you find out that you have one? Is there really anything to it, or is it more New Age pseudoscience? Well, hello and welcome to the 515th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul, and Ben is here, but he's uh, got multiple multitasking responsibilities as the producer this evening, so he'll be back in a minute. Anyway, those shadowy questions <clears throat> were for our very interesting guest this evening, and we are going to delve into a subject that we've never really at, looked at before in all these shows, and uh, we do welcome your phone calls. The number locally is 401-766-1240. From anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 800-449-1240. Maureen Dawn Healy is a well-known author, speaker, and healer working directly with parents and their highly sensitive and intuitive children. She has written for Psychology Today, has been on PBS, and her books include Growing Happy Kids, published in 2012, and The Energetic, Key, Energetic Keys to Indigo Kids, 2013. Her website is growinghappykids.com. Maureen Healy, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Okay, so uh, what are uh, actually uh, you're you're in California, right? That's true. You must have enjoyed our weather forecast just now. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know the east coast here, so I mean, I know when it's cold, it's cold. It is uh, tonight, twelve degrees <laughs> anyway. So, uh, what are indigo children? Well, indigo children is, and you know, it's the word the metaphysical community uses for highly sensitive children plus. So in addition to being highly sensitive kids, these children also um, have a deep need for, along with being highly sensitive, meaning sensitive to lights and sounds and energy and uh, sensitive to just having heightened uh, sensitivities, they also have a strong energy of defiance, stubborn or strong-willed, people would call it. So, you know, you people listening have probably heard their kids say, I will not do this. In the quote-unquote olden days, you know, if your parents told you to go to your room, you went to your room. Nowadays, a lot of kids will say, I'm not going to my room. So it's a different energy. They're sensitive, yet they're defiant, and they also share a common mindset, meaning some of the qualities that they share as a mindset is they have a really strong need for fairness, for equality, and they will uh, go, they will stand up for what they believe in. It doesn't matter if they're their parent or their principal. If they think you're lying, it will, yeah, you are lying. So there's a different um, energy and way of being with them. So, of course, this is an intense energy, and uh, they need to learn how to use it for good, or it can be very challenging. Wow. Well, there have always been... Well, Ben, why don't you ask this question since you're back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Hello, Maureen. Um, there are there have always been uh, gifted kids, as they've been called. So what's the evidence that the indigo children actually exist? Um, you know, it, it's it's one label that we use to define a whole set of characteristics. So certainly there are people who have a heightened awareness a able to see, um, you know, energy and colors. And the reason why it's called indigo is because the first person who's now passed anti-tape was able to see an indigo aura around them. And that sort of identified their characteristics. And like you said, there's always been gifted kids, always been children who are bright and stubborn and strong-willed. But the thing is that we're having a whole pool of these children that fit these characteristics. And the reason why out of all the sensitive children, I would put a big umbrella under sensitive children and indigo children are one type of those kind of types of kids. The reason I focus in on them is because their energy is so sensitive and defined in the same, in the same way. And they're very intense with their energy. And so it can go in a wrong direction as easily as it can go in a right direction. So, you know, that's just kind of more... Um, you know, it, it can present a lot of challenges, let's put it that way. Alrighty, so when and where did this term originate? It, it originated in the 70s with Nancy Chase, who's a metaphysician, and she was a scientist, and she's now deceased. Um, but it has, you know, continued to grow all around the world because what we see in these children is that high sensitivity that I was talking about, that strong energy of defiance, and a shared mindset. And some of the mindset is, you know, need for equality, need for partnership, meaning like the old school parenting where you said, you know, do this because it so just doesn't work with these kids. So there's a different way of working with them that adults and parents and teachers and healers can have success with them. 
And if you don't know those ways and it's sort of like banging your head against the wall, you're like, why isn't this working? So uh, that's <laughs> a long answer to your question. Well, I mean... Uh... I've I've read stuff about this before because I was I was very curious about it for a while. But I remember a lot mm-hmm. of people would write in like, write like blogs about it or something or like articles and be like, "Well, these kids are just brats." Like, how would you react to that? Well, I mean, everything in life you have you have the choice on how to see it, right? So that's we're all at choice. So you know, you can certainly see that glass is half full or half empty. I've never personally had an issue with these kids. I've always seen them as talented and sensitive and strong willed. But certainly if you don't have a similar mindset or aren't able to perceive them um, the way that they are, what I think is in truth is being strong-willed and being really sensitive and being really aware that, you know what, they have kids. There's no reason to say that they're not talented. You know, they're not going to play small because you want them to play small. Well, how do they present these gifts? Like, what do, First of all, what do we mean by gifts? Um, I, I, I mean, same talents that everyone else has. What their their primary intelligence? They have all the intelligence that everyone else has, but their primary intelligence is intuitive, which is why they are sort of on the outside of the mainstream quite often. Meaning, you know, they have very intuitive connectedness. Um, but their gifts can be anything from Michael Phelps being an indigo to you know, some would say Angelina Jolie is an adult indigo where they had, you know, such intense energy that, you know, certainly she had in her earlier days had challenges with, but she learned how to harness for good. So certainly um, they had this intensity to them that is uh, very different than other kids. I mean, they're intense. And gifts, when you say what kind of gifts, they could be anything. They could be scientific. I recently read about a boy who helped discover part of a cure for cancer, and he was in his teenage years. And he used that defiance, that energy of defiance, because, he, you know, there were like 200 labs that turned him down and said, yeah, you're a teenager, we're not going to let you use our space to help do your science project. But he kept going, and he, he found this miraculous breakthrough. So it's helping them, whether their gifts are science or humanitarian or English or artist or whatever it is, it can be in any field, but it's more of their personality and their characteristics that are markedly different. So, if you're a parent, how can you tell if your child is an indigo child? Um, I do have a description of it in my book. I'm happy to read it. But certainly, you're, if you're a parent and you have a child that's highly sensitive, you know, they're sensitive to light or food or they have particular sensitivity, they also have that strong-willed, stubborn nature and share the, I have a list of characteristics in my book. One of them is just this need for fairness. You know, they say, oh, that is not fair. And then there's other characteristics. If you read through this, you're and, uh, and you're nodding yes on almost everything. It's pretty sure your child is an indigo. <laughs> I mean, parents who have indigos, whether they call them indigos or challenging or difficult children, they're fully aware of their kids. And the piece, the reason why I wrote this book is because there's ways to work with them. Ways to have more harmony. You can have more peace. But there's ways if you work with them in certain ways. For example, like I mentioned, the authoritarian approach to parenting, that, that just doesn't work with them. It's just going to be, you know, one headache after the next. So learning how to sort of speak their language. I mean, oftentimes I work with parents and I work with children, and I feel like I'm sort of translating into different languages because they live in different worlds sometimes. So helping them sort of understand each other better. Now, I'm sitting here listening to this, and I'm sure we have lots of longtime listeners who <clears throat> sort of listened to Ben grow up on this show since he was yep. 16. And they're saying, "Gee, is Ben an indigo child?" And what's are maybe, they? My point of view. I don't. Well, I, I hope am. they aren't. <laughs> I don't know. Um, now I'm looking back at uh, my son's very interesting life, and uh-huh. he's 21 now, and you know we're still uh-huh. partners in crime here. And uh, here's the. I recognize most of what you say, pretty much everything you say, Maureen, in in Ben's um, really, really from the day he could talk and walk, I mean, probably before that, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, my approach as a parent, I don't know how paranormal this is, but, mm-hmm. but um, my approach as a parent was always, um, now I have a military background, but, but you know, also a compassionate one, because I was in the seminary too, it's an odd mixture, I admit, but th- that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And the approach that I took was, was essentially telling my two sons, letting them know that if they behaved as... This sounds old-fashioned, but maybe it should come back as gentlemen. 
in the best sense of the word, they would be treated as such. Mm-hmm. And they both did, and they are both brilliant people, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, we've had wonderful relationships all along. And Ben and I, um, certainly, Ben had that defiance. Uh-huh. But as one who realizes that there are an awful lot of stupid things out there that need to be defied, including uh-huh. certain parents, I know that that's a uh-huh. bombshell of a statement, but I kind of understood where it was coming from. Uh, uh-huh. I always joke to this day, every gray hair I have in my beard to this day, it has there his name on it, there are a lot, was from his sense of adventure. He was two years old. I was always, we lived in a rural area. I was always finding him in trees and you know, climbing up, la- no, no, no ladder was unmolested. It was, it was just, you know, couldn't keep up with him. But he was a good, good kid and uh, defiance in the positive sense. So, uh, yeah, I kind of recognize that. Um, Ben, do you, what, what was, what was it from your point of view? I don't care. And we talked about this before. I yeah, don't, exactly. I don't, Essentially, I don't, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Sort of a take it a day at a time. Labels are stupid. Yeah, yeah, they, they can be. But then again, they help us. They can help us clarify our thinking. Well, I just thought it was weird because I remember someone mentioned this at one point. I was like, why did you go to trial? <laughs> I, was, I looked at all this stuff. I was like, wow. I don't know why, but I just thought the questions were just so vague that I was like, anybody could say yes to these. Now, we live in a society that loves to pigeonhole and label, so maybe that's well, that. And people, I'm sure well, that, that Maureen like, agrees People in my generation like to feel special, so. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that you would say that you didn't like the questionnaire because that's Indicative of an indigo being defiant, saying, "Oh, that doesn't work." So it's sort of interesting. She got you. That's a zinger, Ben. That's good. You did turn the tables on. Okay. Me. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, let me ask you this, Maureen: Is there a, uh, for lack of a better term, psychic component to any of these characteristics? You yeah, said intuitive. I mean, so these kids tend to be intuitive and have psychic capabilities, whether it's telepathy. You know, we've all had that experience where you look at someone, whether it's a child or someone else, and you go, are you reading my mind? You know, they have that connection, whether it is that mind-to-mind connection or whether they can just sense when they walk in the room what's going on. Or some of them remember their past lives. I had a colleague who's a psychiatrist who just did this incredible work about past lives and children. Oh, that Tucker? uh, Yeah, Return to Life. And it's, and it's extraordinary. I mean, it's really, he takes a scientific approach to say, you know, these kids came in knowing things that there's no way for them to know. I can't um, wait to talk to them. Be, yeah, they may not be indigos per se, but that's a very indigo to have this open connection. Okay. We had him, we had him scheduled for next week's CBS show, uh-huh. but we got the bombshell that CBS is closing that whole part of the network on, oh. um, New Year's Day, as a matter of fact, that t- t- last yeah. night was our last show, uh, and that was a rerun. So um, I suppose it's better than just being canceled outright because that's not what happened. But the whole it's like right. fifteen shows gone because CBS closed corporate decision, you know. Uh-huh. So I'm trying to get in touch with them to reschedule them for this show. And yeah, um, I mean, do it. He's great. Yeah, yeah. I have to go. Oh, we, we will. So I'm sorry, uh, not not to get sidetracked, but. Um, yeah, th- that is an interesting answer to the question. The whole issue of reincarnation and past lives, because that came up with Ben, if I, you don't mind me mentioning uh-huh. this, Ben, I've done it before. As soon as he could talk, he was telling me lives about different people, different things he was doing, and this sort of thing. And I've always been fascinated by that, because I don't think, I mean, physics being what it is, past and present, I, I should say past and future, do not exist as we conceive them. They're just functions of our consciousness. So I would always ask regression therapists, are you into that at all, by the way? Um, I mean, I certainly have agreed with everything you said. I mean, I think yeah. that, yeah, you know, you know when you they realize that time, the continuum of time is sort of an illusion. Yeah, so, so we're dealing more with parallel life. I mean, six of one half dozen mm-hmm. of the other, I guess, but I, would always, I always ask regression therapists, do you have people, when you regress them by hypnosis to past lives, do, do they sometimes recount what really would be future lives or mm-hmm. lives in some alien world or something you just don't even recognize. And they almost always come back and say, yes, funny, you should say that. Somebody last week said it was 22-something or some year that they didn't even recognize the the symbols for. So um, it's an interesting idea that, that, that indigo children would do that because Ben did that too. He described at times in the stories he was telling worlds that i i just didn't recognize so i mean this is these these may be people who would be as we would call it multiverse aware along with absolutely absolutely and i mean i mean i have a lot of indigo energy myself 
And, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I remember being a young child and my parents went, what are you doing? And I didn't know it at the time, but I was doing all these yoga poses that nobody taught me. So, I mean, we certainly come in with things, that's for sure. And that, you know, a lot of these indigos and sensitive children, you know, they're very tuned in when they are born, as we all know. And then depending upon who they are, they retain their gifts and are able to really learn in different ways. And one of those ways is to, um, you know, to connect with that one mind and, and to really tap into intuition. It's often stated that children, and this is almost a given in, in what we all do here, that children have an innate sense of, I suppose, what might be called things beyond themselves, the big picture, the psychic, whatever, uh, and then it's educated out of them. I think we all have that, certainly, as part of our survival instincts. You know? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Um, and, you know, they believe in magic, right? So that's why the, one of the Harry Potter was such a big hit. It's like, yes, it was speaking their language. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. what would be the, so, so if every child has that, what's the step that would make them an indigo child? Well, indigos aren't just, uh, I mean, and they're not better. I don't, I want to make sure I'm very clear that indigos aren't better than other kids. You know, there is just a whole new generation of children being born who are so sensitive and who are connected. And that, like you said, that in the, you know, previous generations, you know, there was like an almost a deprogramming. You'd go to school and you sort of, you know, you bleed your teachers and all these different things and you just did what you were told. These new children, many indigos, aren't programmable. Like, they come in with this inner wisdom, and then someone else says, oh, and they'll be like, no, 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 I'm going to be an airline flight. I'm going to do this. They sort of stay connected to source, and that's part of their intuition, and that's part of um, making them this. But what makes an indigo different from these other kids who are, you know, magical and creative, that they really not only have high sensitivity, but they have a high level of that strong-willed energy or defiance, because as a collective, they came there to break down that don't work. Do. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Maureen, uh, I just wanted to ask you too. What um, What are some? Ex- can you give us some examples of indigo children and parents, their parents, whom you have worked with? Sure, of course. Um, I mean, one indigo child, and let me think of a fake name right now. Let's call her Jane. Um, she, you know, she beautiful, creative, highly imaginative. She was seven years old, and she was already creating storyboards for the film she wanted to create. Huh. You know, it's just, just incredible. I mean, she's just downloading all these films and really creative, but her parents were just, you know, very traditional and wanted her to sort of, quote-unquote, fit in like other kids. And that was a big communication problem because indigos in general are different. They don't necessarily fit in with other kids. So... I worked with them to sort of speak each other's language and to get each other more and to honor her talents and gifts because we're all patterned for our purpose. It doesn't mean that we need to be good at everything. So I think sometimes with parents and teachers and doctors, we forget we sort of fall into a trap of thinking, oh, my daughter or son needs to be, you know, straight A's or all B's and, you know, but we're all different. We need to learn life skills and then also develop our strengths. But with that case, I helped the parent and the child communicate better so that they could really see her gifts. They could really support her and her endeavors as she went to school and was really creative and loved films and, and began to see that as a possible career opportunity for her someday. What did they become? Now, was it, if people, or, or have they been around long enough in, in, with this understanding for us to tell what they become? I mean, how, how much success do they have? Do, do they, being defiant, as you say, do they have problems in traditional schools? Or, or, or are they successful? What, what, what happens with them? I would say that most indigos um, do better in more open-ended, creative schools, whether they're Charter or Montessori or Waldorf or other private independent schools, because... Because they're so creative. They're like off the charts on an intuitive intelligence. They're off the charts with innovation and creativity. If you've ever been with a child who's just so innovative, it just takes your breath away. And then they also have other talents. What they need in addition to those talents are really learning how life skills. You know what I mean? And, and public schools don't necessarily, or private schools don't, schools don't necessarily teach life skills. So, they really need that support of that creative gift that they have, whatever skill it falls into, and also life skills. But if you put them in a regular 
school that's just memorization and regurgitation, it's not going to go well. And they also really don't like, um, they have very, oftentimes they have short attention spans because they do have this nonlinear ability to learn, but that doesn't necessarily fit in with the, the traditional schooling. Ben? Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I think I was going to ask a question about um, if, let's say, uh, one kid's an indigo child and he has brother, he or she has brothers and or sisters. So how would they be likely to be indigo children or would it just be that one child? It, you know, it's always different, but oftentimes an indigo child will be born into a family that isn't necessarily surrounded with other indigo kids. And that's, that's when usually I have parents seeking me out because... Uh, they've done a certain parenting approach for the first five to ten years, and now they have another child and nothing's working. You know, the regular... Maureen? Yes? Oh, sorry, you uh, you dropped you dropped she off. She was considering her, her, her words. Indeed. Yes. Alrighty. Okay. So, so it's all different. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. <clears throat> How does a parent deal with more than one indigo child at a time? Well, it depends. I mean, oftentimes I find that one parent is very sensitive and very tuned, that one parent is often very tuned into the child, and the other parent usually thinks, like, oh, my gosh, a Martian just dropped these kids off. Who are they? <laughs> so, hey, in our world, who knows? Right, that's it. So the, so the point is really, you know, figuring out who you are and then who these kids are and helping support their success. So, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of... You know, awareness, mindful, conscious parenting. And I know that sounds so simple and straightforward, but, you know, it's like the more that we develop ourselves as adults, the more patient we can be and the, and the easier it can be to deal with indigos because they are intense. They are defiant. They are, you know, they are strong-willed children that really, you know, they're leaders, let's put it that way. So it's hard to raise a leader when they're five years old. You know what I mean? They want to mm. lead, but they're still five years old. So... There has to be mutual respect, authenticity, leadership, I mean, to a very strong degree. Okay, well, well that sounds good, but uh, much of what, <clears throat> excuse me, much of what you've been saying is, um, I- I'm thinking, could this possibly be the result of cultural change? Because around about the 70s, and uh, Ben doesn't remember the 70s, but I certainly do. No, you never know. No, that's true. Parallel lives and all that. Uh, there were trends in society that reflect very much what you've described about indigo children, Marine. You know, in other words, uh, there was more, uh, perhaps, or, or defiance, which of course really began in the 60s, uh, socially uh, was entrenched. People who were defiant were growing, becoming parents. Um, there was a, a new age sensitivity that was being developed at the time. There was... Um, uh, you know, a sense that you know women could could go out and do the same things men do career wise, and there were, there were the limitations were being lifted. Things of that kind were starting to happen. Is it possible that many children, who I'm not saying there are no such, I'm just I'm just throwing this out as a devil's advocate. Is it possible that many of the characteristics you mention are simply cultural, and there is not necessarily anything particularly unusual about these children, other than their sensitivity to culture? I mean, I would say there's an element to that. The one piece that I would say makes it different is that there's indigos around the world. They're not just in America. Okay. So that's a, that's a piece that's different. But I would say that children are born of the consciousness of the time, of the world they're born into. So if, you know, a lot of indigos came in the 70s, or that's when they started to come in big doses, which I believe it is true, uh, the late 70s, mid-70s, then you would think that they do have, a lot of them have an awareness that sort of they probably encapsulated some of that defiance into them. Okay. Um, what, okay, break coming up, but I think there's time for one more question. Are, what, what uh, I'm not going to say diseases, because it's not diseases, but what problems, let's just say problems, are indigo children subject to, or does it depend on the individual? It sounds as though they, they might be very lonely. They may they might be uncomfortable in social environments in some cases, school environments. What's the story with that? I would say some of the common challenges that indigos have would be uh, they oftentimes are very sensitive. So they can have low self-esteem pretty easily. They can have anxiety. 
They can suffer from fears that are um, never heard of before. They're very quirky. I've worked with children who had a fear of butterflies. I worked with someone else who had, you know, a, a, a fear of blue shoes. You know, like really unusual fears. Um, they certainly, if they're not with other sensitive or indigo children, they do tend to feel like they um, isolate themselves. So they tend to default to solitude. Um, so you know, there's a big. There's a lot of things to do, whether it's mentoring or getting them in a, a school system that works for them to help them balance their need to be alone, their need to be creative and cooperate with others. So, you know, anxiety, fears, ADD, ADHD, oftentimes depression. Those are some of the big ones. Yeah, sounds like a challenge. Okay, well, why don't we take our break Alrighty. right now at the bottom of the hour here almost. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM. I don't have to say AM. They keep telling me that. Anyway, in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. So stick with us. We'll be right back with our guest, Maureen Dawn Healy. Stay with us to talk about Indigo Children. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Garrow, the host of PRN's Garage Pass, where I keep you up to date with all the latest NASCAR racing news. Garage Pass can be heard right here on WOON every Tuesday through Saturday mornings at 735 and is sponsored by Simon Chevrolet, 114 Fortin Drive, One Socket. Remember, Simon Chevrolet is always open online at simonchevy.com. Garage Pass, Simon Chevrolet and WOON One Socket Radio, a win- combination. Owen Radio, Owen Worldwide. And I just wanted to mention several of the charities Ben and I have adopted. Certainly the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, we have relatives who suffer from that, so do a lot of you. We also have adopted a number of veterans charities, a Canadian veterans advocacy for our, our friends and cousins up north who have been with us in the war on terror all along. Uh, Mike Blaze in Ontario does some great uh, work on that as far as a legislative advocacy for Canada's veterans. Also, uh, usacares.org, check that out. Great uh, charity for, well, not, not even a charity. It's, it's a great help, uh, great tool, financial aid to American veterans and their families when they are short of cash. It's as simple as that. Uh, also, buildershelpingheroes.com, which is a marvelous group by the Rhode Island Builders Association. I was uh, privileged to be present on the 21st of December when keys were turned over to Kevin and Kayla uh, Dubois. Uh, Kevin was a Marine Corps corporal who had lost both legs in Afghanistan. They've, they've been able to move into a specially adapted house thanks to these great folks who are partnered with Homes for Our Troops, based in Massachusetts. So a lot of great um, charities to check out on our website, BehindTheParanormal.com. Please support these charities as best you can. They do great things for people. Okay, let's get back to our discussion with Maureen Dawn Healy on the subject of indigo children, which we've been talking about. Maureen, before we get any farther, I want to give you a chance to talk about your book and your website and where people can get it and find out more about you. Okay. Uh, my website is GrowingHappyKids.com. And uh, I have two books, Growing Happy Kids, and also the one we're talking about today, The Energetic Keys to Indigo Kids. And on the website, there's a free newsletter, there's some free articles, I believe there's a free chapter of the book. And what else? I have Twitter, MD Healy, which has been a lot of fun. I love that domain name, GrowingHappyKids.com. That kind of makes you feel happy. You know? And like a kid. Yeah, well, I don't know, yeah, as old as I am, why not? That's right. Okay, Maureen, let's uh, let's go a little more into our our world with this. And I don't know if anyone has even looked at this, but I've often found in paranormal cases over many many years that, uh, particularly poltergeist cases, which is interesting, some of the children involved are highly intelligent, highly independent minded, uh, very lonely, and many of the things that may or may not accompany indigo children. Have has anybody looked at this, or have you found that? Uh, Indigo children have more paranormal experiences or at least more aware of things of that kind? Oh, I mean, my experience has been that indigos and sensitive children in general have a a lot of paranormal experiences, you know, whether it's um, seeing angels, whether it is, you know, having dreams come true, whether it's other things. You know, I've had parents call me with a whole slew of different things. And, uh, you know, I think part of it is normalizing that for them and helping them learn how to manage their sensitivities so that they can be in this world and also be very intuitive. Okay. Well, that's succinct answer. Uh, can you give us some more examples of indigo children you've worked with 
And, and, and I think we need to stress too that they, that they are not the same kinds of people necessarily. Am I right? The children? What do you mean? Well, in other words, one indigo child is not a carbon copy of the other. Oh, no. I mean, well, everyone's different. And, uh, you know, certainly, for example, one indigo child that I worked with, you know, really wonderful kid, but he was, uh, you know, he had a fear. And for him, it was just, you know, a really strong fear of um, tattoos, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but indigo kids tend to be very quirky. And he, the parents lived in New York City, and, you know, you could not promise him if we went outside we were not going to see someone with a tattoo. Mm, probably so, not. Yeah, exactly. So I worked with him, and I mentored him or, you know, counseled him. And, you know, as soon as he got to understand that, you know, tattoo doesn't equal bad, you know, he was able to, you know, do some deep breaths. You know, I'm big into giving kids tools, whether it's deep breaths, whether it's affirmations, whether it's crystals, something to help soothe their energy and help them learn how to manage their feelings and their emotions so that, you know, they realize that they really, you know, they're a choice. They can control how they feel. They can put the causes in place of happiness into their lives. So, and the thing with indigos is they have such fast-moving, intense energy that things go really well or in the opposite direction very quickly. So the sooner that they learn how to manage their energy, the more important it is, the better it is. Alright, Ben? Uh, so if it's your, um, this is sort of a, a speculative question, but are there any records of, uh, children who are indigo children before 1970, or is this sort of like a newer phenomena? Um, you know, uh, there's not like a central indigo record keeping place. Yeah, that, like I said, of. speculative. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I have met people in my own life who are indigos who, I, I know someone who's 70 right now. So the, the and, and the metaphysical community and, and really well-known people and teachers in this field also agree that they're, they're people who came as scouts to say, hey, you know, is it going to work out here if we send these kids, you know? I mean, so there are indigos that have been around for quite a long time. But so I guess it's hope really, for me. Yeah, but they really come in, in bigger which is why the conversation flourishes around the world because, you know, especially in regards to learning, they learn differently. So, you know, how do we make that work? You know, they're not really necessarily only school kids, you know. They're, so, you know, it sort of manifests itself in different ways, but certainly there have been indigos for quite a long time. Okay. So what is their purpose? Do they have a purpose, or are they just sort of, like, meant to be creative and try to enrich the world as much as they can? And whose purpose is it? Well, I would say as a collective, of course, everyone has an individual purpose, but, uh, but you know, as a collective, many of these indigos have come to, to, you know, the reason they have that defiance or stubbornness is so that they will break down systems that no longer work and create ones that do. And we can all think of whether it's healthcare or education or whatever it may be, there are places where we need someone to be strong and to say, hey, or even, even, you know, security measures and privacy. You know, hey, we need someone to say, you know what, that's not okay, you know. So Indigos have the willingness and ability to stand up for what they believe in, but they also need to be mentored to do it in a way that works for them. So, um, and of course, everyone has an individual purpose, so that's, that's different. Everyone's got their own, um, and it may be, you know, to have fun. I mean, I, don't, I mean I'm not going to say what people's purposes are. That's between them and, and, and God or spirit or whatever you want to call it, but certainly that indigo energy as a collective has come to really stand in the truth and raise the consciousness on the planet. Alrighty. Um, have you ever met or have you ever worked or met with any uh, people who are people or children who are indigos that sort of uh, strayed down the uh, wrong side of the tracks, if you will? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have met with Met with kids, and I had met. I can't, I'm not only thinking of one person right now, but I, I said, you know, I can't work with that person because, you know, they needed serious psychiatric help, and uh, you know, that's not an area that I, I work in per se. But I refer them to someone. But there's certainly that intense energy, as we all know, can go in a direction that's really good, or if you know they don't have the right mentors, or they're not raised in homes that you know are supportive and understand them, things can. Uh, sour, certainly. Mm. Well, barring the cultural factors that we mentioned, Maureen, is there some sort of cause 
of this phenomenon? Why, since the 70s, have there been more indigo children? Is it just because we're noticing it, or is there something profound happening in the biosphere, or what? I mean, I think it's evolution in action. I think that, okay. you know, throughout history, we've always evolved as people on the planet, and, and, and I think that this is just an, a new, another way of bringing a certain uh, grouping of children, and there's other groupings, too, but this is the one we're talking about, is to help raise that consciousness, and and make uh, things that work for more people. Because right now there certainly is an inequality in many different areas. Okay. Now, uh, this is something that builds on something we asked before, I guess, but what about siblings, schoolmates, etc.? How do they treat indigo children and probably isn't always good? Well, you know, I will say that in my private practice, and I do work in person and also on phone and Skype, but I have worked with a lot of indigos because they are sensitive, you know, and they are different looking quite often, and they are creative, and they may not look like everyone else. So I've worked with a bunch of them who have been bullied, and, um, you know, that's a big deal. You know, that's a, that's a really, it's a trauma to them, and they need to, you know, not only heal from it, but learn how to move around in the world in a healthy way so that they're not targets for bullies. And as well as, you know, listen, Indigos, if they've gone the wrong direction, they could be bullies themselves. So it's sort of having compassion for both ends. But, uh, you know, unless they're with kids that either understand them or who are similar to them, it can be challenging. Okay. You mentioned something interesting, Maureen, and that was that they can be different looking. How do you mean that? Well, I'm not saying they all have blue eyes or anything. But indigos in general... Um, and, I, and I'm not necessarily uh, not necessarily talking about their physical features, but they 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 are different. They tend to be very casual. They tend to be, you know, if everyone's wear getting all dressed up, they may be like, you know, I really don't want to wear that. You know, they they tend to have their own sense of style and flair, which may fit in with others or may not. But they're very unique. Since they have that strong energy of defiance, they want to be who they are. And they're not really interested in fitting in with everyone. So they they tend to look different physically. Okay. Have you done any work with twins? Um, I have done work with twins. Okay, because uh, well, I, I've not really... I've been sort of looking over the shoulders of people who've been doing... who have done work with twins in... in reincarnation theory from that point of view uh tell us about twins in this phenomenon um if one's indigo was the other likely to be or what how what's the story there um they tend to they you know they not necessarily one could be indigo and one not but the chances are they're both highly sensitive and chances are they're both indigo i've seen more that they are both indigo than the opposite um but certainly personality is different they're different purposes but you know i've worked with uh, twins from the perspective of, you know, how to manage their energy and emotions because, you know, they are twins are so connected to each other. And, um, you know, that they, like, when one has a trauma, the other, you know, it's almost like the other has the trauma too. Mm. So really helping them develop their own sense of identity along with that beautiful experience of being a twin. Okay. Are there, <clears throat> and we sometimes find this in, in paranormal work, are there geographic factors in the sense of uh, certain areas may have more of something than some other area? In other words, you know, people say, oh, is New England more haunted because it is older? I mean, that, you know, which I think is not the most intelligent question. But in the case of indigo children, have you found that, uh, say, the Michigan has more than Idaho? You know, that sort of thing. I mean, are, are, there, are there any patterns geographically in, in this phenomenon? I mean, I guess the, the, the response I would have to that is that they're not necessarily geographic patterns. I think as adults, when indigos mature, they certainly magnetize to certain places. I think that's true. But I think that there's certain places in the U.S. where it's open and okay to be different, and there's other places where that's not the culture. You know, they prefer you to fit in or look a certain way. So what I would say is that, you know, indigos are born everywhere, and that they, we may be just using different terms for them. For okay. example, uh, in, in a mainstream culture, not metaphysics, but mainstream, a lot of times they're called highly sensitive or difficult children. So that's, but they, when I meet them and I go through the, the, the you know, the characteristics and the inventory, I go, oh, there's an indigo kid. But the person, the parents may not be open to that language, so I may use different language with them. And there's other areas, whether it's Seattle, Portland, Asheville, North Carolina, or wherever, 
uh, being an indigo, they're like, oh, yeah, we got that. We know what that is. So it's just geography is different of how they, how open they are to the different metaphysical language. Okay, great. Let, let me give you our phone numbers again. I always forget to do that. Uh, locally, 401-766-1240 or from anywhere in the U.S. and Canada, it is 800-449-1240. Sorry about that. I always forget to give those numbers. Anyway. <clears throat> Not okay. Yeah, sorry, Ben. Well, you, well, you uh, can always jump in and correct me on that. Right. Maureen, do you ever run into, I suppose, what might be called indigo parents? Absolutely. Who do or do not have indigo children? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I tend to find indigo parents that have kids that are highly sensitive, but they certainly, you know, all children are different. And say, you know, I'm thinking of one couple in particular where the mother was more indigo. The father certainly was not. And one of their children was very indigo, and the other two were sensitive, but they didn't necessarily fit the indigo characteristic. So um, parents that are indigos are part of the reason why we're having such a change in education in our country right now, because they went through that boring system where you just study things and regurgitate things back, and they're like, you know what, I'm not sending my kids to that school. So that's why we're we're seeing this uprising in education where, you know, most, most intelligent, um, mature adults are saying, you know, we got to do this differently. we got to make this work. Hmm. Ben, do you have anything? Cause well, it just makes me think of charter schools. I don't know why, but... <laughs> yeah, you know... You know I, some charter schools are fantastic. Yeah, I remember I, I did... I was a, They invited me to go to a job fair at one of the, uh, uh-huh. the schools here in, in this area, the, the Woonsocket Charter, the Beacon mm-hmm. Charter School. Yeah, Beacon. And uh, the young people, I was very impressed. This is some mm-hmm. years ago, but they were coming up to me and said, this is the first time I've ever been excited about education. And these were mm-hmm. sharp, sharp young people. Uh-huh. And all and all our schools around here have lots of sharp young people who I don't think mm-hmm. are necessarily being served, but that at least not all of them. And that's, a, that's another right. story. But I, I really kind of relate to what you're saying, Maureen, as far as this is mm-hmm. concerned. So that leads right into the question of how, how are you getting the word out to teachers, whether public, private, or whatever, on this phenomenon, or do you find that they're aware of it already and are do something, doing something about it? Well, I wrote the book, The Energetic Keys to Indigo Kids, but certainly I've spoken at conferences around the country about how to help these children succeed because, it, it, you know, oftentimes these kids do have ADD or ADHD, although I'm, you know, not a big fan of labels, but they do present with short attention spans, and there's ways to make that work. So certainly it's a different model of teaching that works for them. Okay. You know, for these kids. You know, they need more activity. They need nature. They need healthy food. There are things that they're very, I don't want to say very, but they they tend to have food sensitivities and food allergies. And they're just, Hmm. they just have this strong energy of defiance, but also sensitivity. So there are environments where they'll feel comfortable and safe to not only learn but explore and other ones where they would feel stifled. So that's where that making that school match for the child, of course, is important, but particularly important for indigos. Okay. This is the issue of relationships. We touched on uh, school relationships and parents and things. What about the indigo children themselves as they grow and they get into, say, romantic relationships? Uh, is it better if they're with other indigos? It sounds like I'm talking about some kind of astrology here, but it, right. is it better if they get into relationships with other indigos, or what's the deal there? I mean, they don't necessarily need to be an indigo to an indigo, but certainly when you have another indigo and you make a connection, whether it's a friendship or a more of a romantic relationship, you know, they just get you. And that's, I think that's the feeling that people want, is someone to feel like a refuge, right? That person, they just get me, right? But I think, you know, I think it doesn't have to be an indigo. I have a colleague who, who wrote a testimonial or a blurb for the book, and he wrote a book called The Indigo Adults, and it's an excellent book. And it's, hmm. it's about adult indigos making that romantic connection and what it's like at work and, you know, the different strengths and challenges. And, and it really brought that indigo energy to life as well. Now, I haven't read that, but I, I get just from what you've said about defiance, wouldn't an indigo relationship kind of be full of fireworks? Well, not necessarily because you just get each other. You know what, what I mean? You, mean? you just get each you other. Understand I mean, each you, other. you understand each other. Okay. And you understand each other. And you, at your base, you know. You know, one might be a scientist, one might be a teacher. So the defiance doesn't necessarily need to come out at home. It can be in your work. You refuse to do the normal, regular work. You're doing exploratory research. I mean, 
there's a way to harness the defiance. For example, Oprah, someone said to Oprah, they're like, oh my God, you're so defiant. She was like, what? And then, you know, when she thought about it, she goes, yeah, I never really did go with the grain of what people wanted me to do. So it's just learning how to harness that energy for good. All right. There is um, an issue that maybe we're getting getting more philosophical now, an issue that frequently comes up on the show, believe it or not, in the context of some paranormal subjects, and that is the subject of individualism, <clears throat> which sounds odd, but it is you know, the, the the notion of what we really are in our, in our essence, our consciousness, the core consciousness, the relations with other people, and the lessons, the paranormal, at least as we put it, seem to teach us is that everything we know is wrong pretty much that, that's essentially the model of the show so what i'm getting at here is um in the matter of um individualism it's, it sounds as though indigo children and people are very individualistic and that has trouble working in life you mean like selfish yeah well, well and, and, and there, there's question, some... because it's they have these polarities about them that don't make any sense they can be the most compassionate, the most empathetic, the most generous kid you've ever met, and they can be the most selfish. So they sort of swing between these two. They can be completely independent and then clinging the next moment. So they have these, you know, really, I don't want to say extremes, but in, in a way they're extremes because they're highly sensitive and they're highly intuitive and they, 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 they move quickly on the continuum of emotions and they move quickly on... Uh, willingness to, like, for example, I work with one indigo. She was outside raising money so that all the, the all the rabbits at the animal shelter could be free and find homes versus, you know, what they were going to do. So they can be very compassionate. But then in the same regard, you know, they can be very, and I don't want to say selfish, but very interested in taking good care of themselves. So they have both of those qualities. It sounds almost like, and I don't, and, and, my studies of psychology and work in psychiatric hospitals was many, many years ago before some uh -huh. of these new terms came up like bipolar, but it, from what I know of bipolar, it sounds a little, a little bit like we're kind of drawing uh, some well, parallels. There's, there's multiple kinds of bipolar because you have cyclical bipolar, which usually is like a different term for seasonal depression, and then you have the like extreme bipolar, which is like you have like depression for like six weeks and then a week you have like some sort of manic fit where you just buy tons of stuff and it's like you're like yeah i'm wicked happy and then it, yeah like that well so that leads into the question for maureen uh, do buy uh, not by do um indigo children or indigo anybody have more tendencies in the direction of certain uh problems neuroses or psychoses at all i would say that the indigo energy and the indigo kids are very intense. So what you're picking up is intensity. And bipolar or anxiety or clinical depression, there's an intensity to that. You know what I mean? When someone's not depressed, like you said, they're not bummed out. They, they can't get out of bed. There's an intensity to that. So these kids do have a tendency to go to extremes. They're not necessarily bipolar by any means, but they can because of their intensity. So that the whole sort of key to success with them is helping them and yourself as parents and teachers is help them manage that intensity. You know what I mean? Because it can be used to solve our world problems and to bring joy and to be of service to others or it can cause some problems, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really helping them learn early on how to manage that intensity. Um, and, 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 you know, we all know from meeting people who are really intense that you can either meet them and you go, oh, wow, they got their stuff together. Oops, they, they got some issues, you know. So so yeah. we really want to be supportive to helping them, their mental, emotional, social, spiritual health, all that. Okay. Did you, what? Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all set. You look like you're about to ask a question. Okay, well, we have to end a little early tonight uh, because of the Bryant Bulldogs basketball game. Uh, however, I think this, well, we got... Well, we have about three minutes now. Okay, maybe time for a real quick question. Uh, well, actually, it won't be a question. Just let us know again, Maureen, about uh, your website, where people can get in touch with you if they have questions about this subject. Sure. I'm at growinghappykids.com. And what else? My Twitter is mdhealy. And it was really delightful for you guys to have me. I appreciate it. No, it's a very interesting no, it nice subject, believe you. it or not. And uh, what? 
going on six years on the air. We've never done a show actually nope. on this very subject. So we might somehow have we have not managed to do that. Yeah, I don't know how, but <laughs> but uh, but anyway, thank you very much, Maureen, and uh, great conversation. We'll be in touch off the air. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye. All right. Then you can take over the announcement. Alrighty, so you can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find well over 500 free podcasts of all our past shows, both regularly scheduled and specials. Also, check out our site at www.NewEnglandGhosts.com, where there are case photos and studies, along with articles by my dad. And you can find books by me on Barnes & Noble Nook e-reader and Amazon Kindle, Amazon.com, all the usual suspects. But if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, you can do that with PayPal, uh, I will autograph them for you, and you will help us keep all those podcasts free. And uh, also on our sites, you'll find direct links to the several charities Ben and I have adopted, including USA Cares and Canadian Veterans Advocacy. Uh, and if I, I just want, might want to add one more thing. Oh, if we have, if we have the time. Yeah. Um, the podcast for our CBS shows, four and a half years worth of them, will um, be there forever as much as that whatever that means you know, but they're they're available uh free at the website and will continue to be and we, I, we really want to thank as, ma- as many people listen to that this show listened to that show and again it was just a, one of those corporate things the whole part of the network was eliminated and uh, but there may be some some news coming up uh, we are looking for another home for another a second show and we'll we'll see what happens with that so um there we go so all right, so next Monday, January 6th, wow, a new year, right here on 12-O-W-O-N-1240-and-O-N-Worldwide.com. We will bring you an open line show to start off the new year. So get your questions to us at Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com or Ben at BehindTheParanormal.com, except that's not working, but you can always go to our Facebook page. You can find us on Facebook, Behind the Paranormal, with Paul and Ben Eno. And bam, you can like us, and you can send us messages. That's right, and a lot of people have been doing that as far as getting questions to us for our open line shows, such as next week. Uh, our form on the website, we're, we're really trying to fix that. People found that very convenient. They could just fill out the question and send it in. But better just to send an email or use the Facebook page in the message section if you don't want everybody to see it. But we get some very, very good and intelligent questions. Please keep them coming. Alrighty, so we leave you this evening with a thought from that old sweetheart and one of my least favorite philosophers, <laughs> Friedrich Nietzsche. Without music, life would be a mistake. I'm Ben Eno. Well, you must agree with that quote. Yes. And I'm Paul Eno. And on behalf of both of us and everyone here at WO, O-O-N 1240, a very happy new year to all. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.